Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. The majority of new family homes in a Dublin estate are snapped up by an investment fund, despite government efforts to prevent it from happening. According to the Business Post, 85% of the houses up for sale in Belcamp Manor in North Dublin were bought up by a single fund and are now available to rent for over €3,000 a month. We look at the growing dominance of investment funds buying homes in Ireland and what it could mean for rents and house prices. And we ask in this context, how is Sinn Féin possibly going to achieve a €300,000 average price in the capital? And the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, calls the charge of genocide labelled against Israel over Gaza a distraction. Another blow to potential home buyers as news emerges that the majority of new family homes put up for sale at a housing estate in Dublin were snapped up by a single property fund. The Business Post is reporting that 46 new homes advertised for sale in Belcamp Manor in Dublin 17 were purchased by a fund last month and are now being advertised to rent for over €3,100 per month. It comes despite government measures brought in only three years ago to protect home buyers. Well, with me to discuss this in studio, I'm joined by Fianna Fáil Senator Mary Fitzgerald and their housing spokesperson and Sinn Féin TD Louise O'Reilly. You're both very welcome to the programme. Uh, Mary Fitz, an issue similar to this blew up a number of years ago. Um, a number of houses to be brought in a new estate in Maynooth and a vulture fund, cuckoo fund, investment fund, call it what you may, were going to come in and buy them. And there was a, a, an angry reaction from those who wanted to um, potentially purchase this these homes. At that time, the government introduced measures to try and, I suppose, disincentivise these investment funds for coming in. And one of their measures was to place a 10% stamp duty on investment funds if they wanted to buy you know, these houses in bulk. It hasn't been a disincentive though, has it? No, so it's Mary Fitzpatrick and thanks for having Apologies. me on the show. No Apologies. problem, but it's, um, your, your name is, is, is important. Um, it's a really important issue, really important issue for homeowners and for home buyers, for those people who want to buy their first home. The article that was uh, in the Sunday Business Post, I know, went up, then came down. And, and I thought actually the uh, journalists would be here tonight because there are a lot of questions around this story. Uh, the thought that any investment fund would come in and snap up um, homes that were built and intended for first-time buyers is a real serious concern, not just to government, but also obviously to anybody who wants to buy their home. No, it's, just absolutely... to be clear, sorry, just to be clear, Mary, there is nothing preventing an investment fund coming in and buying 
bulk like this if they pay the 10% stamp duty. There's nothing to prevent them from doing that. There is actually. We changed, We did two things, the government, or at least the government did two things when this issue emerged um, back in 2021. They acted very swiftly and introduced two strong measures. One was, you correctly stated, the stamp duty increase. They increased stamp duty tenfold, from 1% to 10%. That's a disincentive. And that would apply to any bulk purchasing of homes. The second, and this is a really important intervention, it was a planning change. And we changed the planning laws so that local authorities at a local level, local authorities could reserve and, and require that any new developments being granted planning permission would have a requirement to have an owner-occupier, a minimum 50% owner-occupier. And the other change that we've made under this government is that we've increased the part five, the 10% social housing allocation to 20%. So now there's 10%, minimum 10% social housing, minimum 10% affordable housing. And then on top of that, the owner-occupier ban, but that only applies to any planning permissions granted after that law was changed in 2021. Just to be clear, what you've said there is that local authorities could and they decide. Have. Could. Of, the, of the 31,000 planning permissions granted, this is the only example anybody can show me of new planning permissions since that law was introduced that there's been a bulk purchase. Okay, let's see what Leo Radker had to say when he was asked about this today. There isn't just a punitive tax, uh, the 10% stamp duty, which you mentioned. It's also possible for local authorities to make it a condition in the planning permission that when a new estate or a new development is being built, um, that it can't be sold in bulk. So there are those two measures that exist in the law already. Uh, and we'll have to take a look at this particular case and see what happened in this particular case uh, and whether or not we need to do uh, more in this area. Louise, you called this a slap in the face for would-be homeowners today? Because it is. Um, because, you know, people who are struggling to, to buy a home for themselves at the moment, really, I mean, can you imagine how disheartening that would be for somebody to, to hear that? And to hear um, my own uh, colleague, Pierre Stoherty, obtain figures from the Department of Finance that up to March 2023, over 20 million euro in uh, stamp duty had been paid. So these funds are continuing to bulk purchase. So whatever okay, way, whatever Patrick way. Mary Fitzpatrick is nodding but, her I mean, head there and that, saying, that, and, no, there's not, they've brought the, in measures. And, and indeed, and but you can't argue with the facts. So the facts are that 20 million euros has been paid in stamp duty by these funds, vulture funds, cuckoo funds, call them what you like. I call them people who are competing with an unfair advantage against young people trying to buy a home. So the facts really speak to the fact that the government haven't addressed this issue. They should address it. Um, but as, uh, as recently as, uh, as the last budget, they voted against a Sinn Féin proposal to increase this tax to 17%. There needs to be a real disincentive. There isn't a disincentive because massive profits can be made. You see that, €3,100 in rent per month for these uh, for these homes. I think it's I mean, actually 3,175 euro per month, to okay. be clear. So the people who are going to be paying absolutely exorbitant rents for these homes because they're desperate for homes. Let's be honest, people are absolutely desperate because of this housing crisis. So the people who are going to be paying that 3,175 euros should be in those homes. They should own those homes. They should be, they should be there forever homes. And they're not. Instead, they will rent, they will pay 
absolutely exorbitant rates and these vulture funds are laughing all the way to the bank because they won't pay a penny in tax on the rent that they collect. Okay, Mary Fitzpatrick. Look, um, Sinn Féin play with, with, with figures all the time. Um, in this instance, Pierre Starty is referring to stamp duty that was paid on properties that were granted planning permission prior to the laws changing. Since the laws have changed and since local authorities have the powers to reserve for owner-occupiers, that, that, that is not happening. But more importantly... Can what you the guarantee that, Mary Fitzpatrick? Because <laughs> well, can you guarantee that all local authorities, when they're granting planning permission for estates like this, for new homes, potential homes for families out there, that they put in that condition that they won't... No, local, local, local authorities are independent bodies, so no, 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 no national politician could guarantee what any local authority is going to do. And local authorities act in the best interests of their local area. They understand. Okay, this is an important point. This is an important point. Why did the government, when this blew up a couple of years ago, why did they just not move to stop this happening altogether? How? Like, what they've done is they have actively well, disincentivized it and they've given yeah. the powers... No, no, they've given the powers to the local authorities to reserve for owner-occupiers where there's an actual need. But most importantly, what the government has done is they've, they've massively intervened in the market to deliver housing at scale. Four and a half billion a year now is being spent by the state to deliver increased housing supply. And this is something Sinn Féin won't do. They won't help first-time buyers actually buy their own home. They'll talk about the price of a home, they'll talk about reduce, but they won't talk about how they'll actually financially support first-time buyers. In fact, okay. what Sinn Féin will do is actually take help and supports that are there, the 30,000 help to buy for okay, people okay. to get Okay, okay, we want to talk about investment funds, we want to talk about this particular this is, case. This, this is actually affecting people who are trying to buy their own home. But the so is this. Cost, the reason These we're are 46 talking, family the reason, homes absolutely, in Dublin. This is affecting reason, them too, Mary But the reason we're talking about this investment fund is because they've bought homes that first-time buyers should have been able to buy. For first-time buyers to be able to buy a home, they have to be able to afford a home. To do that, the government is supporting them with a 30,000 tax uh, okay. deposit towards their own home, but also okay. the let's first home shared equity okay. scheme. Just and Sinn Féin have not explained, they have not okay, explained let's, let's how they will the help first-time buyers. Sorry. In fact, they do nothing for first-time buyers. Patrick, they have nothing the to offer them. In? Okay, so the facts are that in the period up to March 2023, uh, less than two years, okay? So less than two years. We're talking about very, very, very recent times. Not history, very but recent the times. Commission's granted Please lease. don't interrupt me, Mary. I didn't interrupt you. But could okay? you just, I, I, I think it's, a, it's important that question. Point. 20, 21 million euros was collected. So can you answer that by, question? By any, so I, were they in planning permissions before or after the new So I, I'm fairly confident in. that planning permissions that were granted after the changes were made also will, uh, will do this. 10% is not a disincentive. It did not act as a disincentive to this fund. It didn't act as a disincentive to the funds that bought 630 homes, homes that should have young families in them, homes that people should be starting their lives in. And, you know, I mean, Mary can talk about supports for, for first-time buyers, but what the truth is, in Dublin, you have to have an income of €127,000 to be able to afford the average home. House okay, prices look, I have want gone to up this out of control. Discussion out a bit. I want to uh, bring in economist Pierce Daly, who has researched the rise of institutional landlords specifically in Dublin. Just very briefly, Pierce, what is an institutional landlord? 
So, so it's quite a, a broad group. We commonly hear them referred to as cuckoo funds or investment funds, but actually you have anything from a long-term investor like an insurance company or pension fund to, um, to say, a real estate investment fund to then, say, more speculative or short-term investors like a private private equity firm. But the thing they generally all have in common is most of this is foreign investment. It's, it's not generally domestic um, Irish capital that's going via these funds into housing. They used to, am I right, invest in commercial property in Ireland, but that has changed. They are now targeting the private residential markets. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And particularly since 2018, we've seen a big increase in the in the amount of investment that is um, coming from these funds into the into the housing market. Um, so yeah, actually, you'll see here. Uh, this is quite clear from the graphic that you're being shown. It's increased a lot since 2018. And as part of that, we've seen this um, big increase in, uh, in, in in investment in new units as well. But um, there's, there's quite a few complexities here that, that actually mean the extent to which they're maybe adding to supply isn't, isn't as extensive as you might think. But I can come back to that later. Yeah. What's important about these figures overall is um, they reflect what, what has become basically in Dublin these these uh, funds now now accounting for one in ten uh, residential property transactions, um, and uh, that in some error codes maybe up to um, forty to fifty percent the number of units that households are buying. So it really demonstrates they're 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 active, um, they're investing on a large scale, and then that's in turn reflected um, in their increasing share of the private rental sector in Dublin, which has increased from about six percent in in 2016 to about 17 percent so they're big players and it leads to questions about the extent to which they could impact um, or, or, or lead to added upward pressure on prices and rents. And just to be clear I suppose the big attraction here probably the reason we've seen that increase from six percent to 17 percent is because they can get such great returns here in Dublin the rents are so high. Yeah indeed indeed and um, it, that comes back to your point about the shift from commercial real estate uh, more generally, because uh, simply the, the yields are higher in the residential market than, than they are in some segments of the commercial market. And we have, and we've discussed this before on the programme, we've been told that we need these investment funds to come into the country, that they are very important, not only you know because we need them as professional landlords, but that they help to build supply. Is there evidence that they do this? So, so my research, I look at a specific sub-segment of what, what say industry commonly referred to as institutional capital. So there is an element of institutional capital which goes into our home builders. Um, that does help build supply. However, what I look at is um, institutional investors who are buying housing rather than, than, develop, than developing it in a sense. And um, you can see here this, this total figure of 16,872 units that they bought between 20 or, or invested in between 2018 and, and 2021. And if you exclude three key elements, so um, secondhand units that they bought or new units from um, new units that have been invested in by by publicly or say we'll call it state-backed uh, investors so these are investors that are backed by by the government's um irish strategic investment fund so if we exclude those secondhand secondhand purchases and um purchases of new units from 
home builders, that they bought off home builders, it effectively leaves us with this 6,733 figure at the bottom. And that's roughly about 40% of their total purchases over this period. So really it suggests that actually the extent of uh, the extent to which they're maybe adding to new supply is more limited than, than we might actually expect. Okay, and that really brings us up to 2021. Do we have any sense of their activity in the market over the last two years? <coughs> So, so I would expect it's 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 continued to to shift towards new units. It's 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 not possible to be definitive definitive about some of that because obviously I, I haven't compiled the statistics for those two years. But um, I would expect it's primarily new units. But again, um, with that, I would expect that some of this has been acquired from home builders. And um, potentially, then again, uh, there could be uh, an increasing share coming from these uh, state backed. Uh, investment funds as well, which which seem to be providing new supply in contrast to the other, what I refer to as kind of fully privately funded um, funds. Okay, that, let that me just put that back to be, to uh, be supporting supply. To Mary Fitzpatrick, that is surely alarming, isn't it? Mm. 16,872 units acquired. No huge evidence that they are coming in as we've been told time and time again, and actually building, adding to the supply when they are in operation in this country. Yeah, Pierce's study um, was very worrying. And, and I suppose in part that led to, let's say, the response that Housing for All has, has brought about because what Pierce's study uh, looked at was the period 2011 to 2021. And obviously since 2021, we've introduced Housing for All. That Housing for All brings about a massive state-led intervention to increase housing supply. So four, four and a half billion uh, euros a year being you know, spent on actually building new housing supply and 300,000 homes to be built over the lifetime of the plan. It's really important because what it means is, is that there isn't just the private sector because that's all there was uh, building. Now the state is building as well through local authorities, through approved housing bodies, the Land Development Agency, you saw before Christmas, very significant increased funding to the Land Development Agency to deliver an additional 10,000 homes. You'll see uh, Respond, one of the uh, approved housing bodies, they're, they're, they announced an additional 2,900 homes in Dublin just okay. before Christmas. And they're all affordable homes. And with the Land Development Agency, the big change we made as well was we in ensured that it would actually use all the state-owned land to deliver social and affordable okay. homes. Okay, That's Louise, a big so change that wasn't <clears throat> in place under the previous two governments. Okay, so Louise, they saw the issues and they've addressed them, is essentially what Mary is saying. Okay, so um, let's look at a really basic measure, right? Let's take, take it, just take it down to the absolute basics. Um, by any measure, a government who say, and, and this government do, um, though, though, though with less and less credibility as every day goes past, that they uh, that this is you know, they are focused on housing, absolute number one priority, and yet we see the number of people. Just a really basic measure: the number of people in emergency accommodation has risen to thirteen thousand five hundred. That's the number of homeless people. So the number of people, families, four thousand children that do not have anywhere secure to live is rising under this government. That is a fact. Okay, House just prices... just to go back to the issue of <coughs> Sorry, institutional. Investment funds. Mary Sorry. is saying the government saw the issue here and they have addressed it. But they clearly haven't, because there's a story in the paper today that shows that the measure that they have introduced didn't work. So they were warned that their measure wouldn't work. They were warned by Pierce Doherty time and time again for years. And let's bear in mind, by the way, no action was taken by the government until that uh, housing development in Maynooth. There was a furore in the press. And as a knee-jerk reaction to that, they brought in the increased stamp duty. But the that hasn't... Barely in place six months. That 
hasn't. Fairly in place that hasn't worked. No Mary, again, you interrupt me. I'm going to ask you not to do that, please. So we see by every measure the government is failing to address the housing crisis that they have created. And the institutional investors, let's be clear, right? these people don't build anything. They do well, not, that's push, not strictly, they don't lay that's not a single... That's strictly true, actually. Uh, they bring in, I think, 40% of the funding body into the country is they don't, actually is they being don't, used for They new don't builds. build. What they do is they... they no, no, that's not... They that's purchase. Actually the, what we're talking about are funds that bulk purchase Houses that have already been built, houses that should have houses and apartments. Of course, apartments are exempt because the government don't think an apartment is a home, but houses and apartments, homes for people where families yeah. should be putting down roots, where they should be settling. Do you They're think paying they should be, they should be 3, completely? Well, okay. they should, it's at the okay, very least, no, no, there's no reason should have taken on board the suggestion that Sinn Fein made to increase the stamp duty. There's a number of false assertions that can't go unchecked. I want to ask you, Mary. As long as I'm allowed to correct the false assertions. Yeah, I just want to look at the issue there of apartments mm -hmm. because the measures brought in by the government didn't include apartments, did they? And the evidence is that these funds are not coming in and just building apartments. They are coming in and they are bulk buying apartments that have been built by builders in Ireland and depriving ordinary Irish people from buying them. Okay, so the false, assert the, the false assertions I have to deal with first. Because no, they're really no, misleading for, my for your views. First, I will Mary. answer your question about the apartments. I'm happy to answer it. But the false assertions, I mean, any anybody who is homeless, emergency accommodation has been provided and more people have exited homeless than are in homeless accommodation. The 46 homes, that story was put up and taken down. We want it clarified. But there's been 100,000 home transactions, homes purchased, and Sinn Féin are focusing on 46. And now they're saying they want to further increase the taxes. OK, if they just, do, to, be clear, just to be clear, and Sunday it, business are standing by... That's fine, they're they not standing by to defend it. Anyway, are. to answer your question about the apartments, there is a significant issue around the viability of building apartments. That's well recognised. The government recognises it in Housing for All. That's why we've brought forward very significant subventions to make the building of owner-occupier apartments viable and a reality for okay, people. But we're not talking about the building here. I'm talking about these funds coming in mm. and buying bulk apartments that have been built by, by home builders in Ireland. But wh where, where they do that and where they provide it on a long-term sustainable rental basis? What, uh, where's the evidence that it's a long-term sustainable rental basis? Where's the evidence? Well, well, the evidence is, is that the laws and the protections for renters have uh, increased renters' protections. We've increased um, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, terms of, of leases, the protections around deposits, the protections around notice periods. We've introduced the renters' uh, tax credit. Okay. And on, and on and, top of that, most importantly, most importantly, the biggest intervention is the introduction of the affordable cost rental. And where these uh, ethical funds, where these sustainable funds will actually provide uh, rental accommodation on a long-term basis at 25% below the market rate, they can av avail of the state funding to provide affordable cost Louise, rental. Affordable cost rental never existed pre prior to and this And how many exist at the minute? The delivery for the uh, LDA is 10,000. 
Okay, so how many people are living in affordable cost rental homes well, you, at the moment? You, you know yourself, Louise, it takes five years from start to finish to build new <sighs> units. And you also know yourself, Louise, that we're coming out of a decade of undersupply. And Sinn Féin doesn't have a magic wand. Sinn Féin wouldn't have been able no, to deliver any more affordable cost rental. Okay, Sinn Féin would at least have charged 17% stamp tonight, If there was a Sinn Féin government in place, is the chaos that there would be. There would be no homes okay, for people sorry, to buy. No, there sorry, would be no Karen. homes for people to rent. Um, they right. have no plan. Barry, let's let Louise back in. Okay. Okay, you talk about chaos, how dare you? I mean, how chaotic do you think it is to have to put all your possessions into several plastic bags and a few suitcases and live in a hotel? 4,000 children. And you brush that figure aside, Mary. No, I don't actually, Louise. You did. I didn't. You, do, you, I don't, you just did there now. I, I didn't. Okay, I so was there are four. It actually, Louise. I mentioned no, how I, serious an issue I, it is. I did. And I think so it is disgraceful. Are, if, the I, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. To... Try to pretend and exploit... OK, Mary, I find, your, I find your government's policies disgraceful. I find the issue of 4,000 homeless Progress children absolutely disgraceful. And I find okay. 4,000 homeless children does not represent progress and the neckier to say that it does. 16,000 have Four exited homeless. 4,000 homeless children. Have to take and 100,000 homeless children. Sorry, ladies, we're going to have to take a break, if, if that's all right. We are going to return to this uh, topic after the break because Sinn Féin suggested that lower Dublin house prices would be on the agenda if they got into government. 300,000 was the figure they put forward. But how would they achieve them? We debate this after the break. Last month, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald caused a stir when she announced that the average price for a house in Dublin should fall to the €300,000 mark. Her comments were dismissed by Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, who said the move would result in huge numbers of people falling into negative equity. However, in a recent poll by Ireland Thinks and the Irish Independent, 69% of respondents said that the move of reducing the average house price to €300,000 would be desirable, with just 20% of those polled opposing it. The poll suggests an appetite for such a move, but how would it happen? I'm rejoined by my panellists, uh, Senator Mary Fitzpatrick and TD Louise O'Reilly. So, 
Louise, you seem to have the backing of the public for this. How are you going to get there? Well, I think we need to look at where we are and uh, um, what the current situation is for any person who wants to buy a house. So if you live in Dublin, you have to be earning €127,000 to afford an, an average house. An average new house. An average new house. Clear. No, new absolutely, house. absolutely. And, and the, um, you know, not a second-hand house. No, because the, the, where the government makes an intervention, house price has gone up by 10%, where they didn't, 1%. So look, we can see that. But I think the, the key here is looking at affordability because it is not affordable for okay. young people or for people, and this is a cohort that very often get forgotten about, but people who are over 55 who are coming okay, to so, retirement okay, we, we and know, who are living We know in, all of this, Louise. I want no, to know no, how I, you're going but, to achieve but it. We, we don't. But the, oh, they are dear. living in rented accommodation and precarious accommodation, and they don't know how they're going to be able to afford to pay for their rent okay. and how they're going to have any, any kind of security. They should be in affordable or cost rental homes, and they're not, okay? So what we want to do is massively increase the supply. Um, we think the government's targets are, I mean, they're not hitting their targets for social and affordable homes as it is. Their targets are wholly inadequate. But we want to see an increase in supply and a gradual reduction in the cost of a home for uh, new for new purchasers in new built homes. Okay, but, but the government under Housing for All also wants to increase supply and supply is increasing slowly but it is increasing so what level of supply would Sinn Féin bring let's say if you get into government next year and the year after what's your targets? So we want to see uh, a minimum of 30,000 homes obviously from the private sector and then 10,000 social and affordable homes um, to be to be delivered actually delivered um, you know and I think that's very very important and then you need to build on that over time we want to see greater use of uh, new construction methods because that's something where we believe really serious delivery can be given. And we also want to see, uh, you know, I mean, the average Okay, so you're talking of... about 40,000, let's say, for the year you come into government, maybe a bit more the year after. How long do you think before you would get that the house prices in Dublin in the capital are currently averaging about 430,000. How long before you'd get them down to 300,000? I think over the course of the um, a term in government, it would be reasonable to expect that the costs will come down because obviously you will see greater supply. But I suppose the question I want to ask the, 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 the government is, like, are you happy, are you content that uh, young people... No, but, 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 but we're just going to focus on this policy because it's a it's a big figure. It's got public support, and so I just want to know. thousand euros on average to buy a house in Dublin at the moment. What so is just the to be clear, over answer? the course of a term of government for Sinn Féin, you think you can bring down house prices from four hundred and thirty thousand on average to three hundred thousand? We believe that house prices have to come down because people simply you believe cannot with your policies you can bring them down? But at the moment, people can't afford. So, like, the choice is a very basic one, right? Okay. We either raise the average income to €127,000 a year or we ensure that house prices come down. There, there, isn't any, there isn't any alternative there. OK, Mary Fitzpatrick, do you agree with this general concept we need to bring down house prices in, in Dublin and across Ireland? We... we... I believe that house prices needs to be much more affordable. I think what we can all believe now is that Sinn Féin have no plan to deliver it. Um, I think that's become abundantly clear. Uh, we're already doing it under Housing for All. Like, you have to look at what Housing for All has already done for the people that Louise describes, who are trapped renting in insecure accommodation, paying high rents. We're already doing it. The first home shared equity scheme. Okay, let's no, talk no, about is, no, no, because, no, no, because I want to talk about house prices here. A house price, with the, the average house price, the average house price that has been purchased under the first home shared equity scheme was three hundred and seventy thousand. The average equity given was seventy thousand, bringing the house price down to three hundred thousand. 
And that's before. No, that's bringing the highest price. It, well, it's, 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 oh, okay. okay. Sorry, it is bridging the gap. You're correct. Yeah. You are both correct. Yeah, I misspoke the there. It is bridging the gap yeah. to make it affordable. But that's before you apply the help to buy deposit, which is a 30,000 tax refund for first-time buyers. Now, let's just be clear about this. We've been clear with the public how we are going to make housing more affordable, how we are making housing more affordable. Sinn Féin need to do the same. Sinn Féin need to say, what are they going to replace the help to buy 30,000 tax refund for first-time buyers with? What are they going to replace the first home shared equity that is bridging the gap between a house price and what people can borrow? And what are they going to uh, replace the Land Development Agency with, which is funded to the tune of 6 billion public funds to deliver 10,000 social and affordable homes. Okay, 100 percent social very, and affordable just very quickly, on state-owned lands. There is, Sinn Féin there is have public no support. plan. They there have no plan. Support. Okay, I'm just this idea that there is public support out there of for this there radical, is. quite a radical move that would that would to make housing more affordable. No, to, and and for people to potentially, you know, accept that there would be negative equity in their own homes. No, they, I don't think that's what people. I don't. No, think people that's... were asked, would you be willing to take a reduction? in the value of your own home, potentially putting yourself in, into a position of negative equity to bring house prices down. And I think about 62% of people yeah, that would have, yes, actually. So that would have much broader consequences, obviously, for those homeowners, for all homeowners, for the lending institutions, for our banks. There'd be much wider implications. And if that's what Sinn Féin is proposing, and that's what I heard Mary Lou say, she's saying she's going to devalue everybody's home, she's going to bring it down to the value of €300,000. If that's what Sinn Féin are proposing to do, they need to spell it out. Okay, because but these are, are serious. These are serious economic uh, calls that they're making, and they're, do you they have that impacts. There seems to be a public appetite impacts. for this. Of, there is huge public appetite for more affordable housing. That's why we've committed twenty billion euros to actually increase the delivery of social and affordable affordable homes to purchase and to rent. All right, but Louise Riley, you haven't laid out a plan. Is, is what the accusation our, is. Let her our respond schemes to this. are actually in place. Forty thousand first-time home buyers got the help to buy. 7,500 have registered for the first home shared equity scheme. Okay. Both of those schemes okay, Sinn Féin will scrap. Okay, but I suppose what Sinn Féin are saying is you shouldn't, they need, don't have an alternative. You shouldn't need those schemes. So but you should be looking at trying to bring house prices down with greater supply. Louise, respond to Okay, that. so since this government came into office, um, the average cost of housing has gone up in about 90,000 euros. Okay, the, and fairness, I don't think the government and are responsible for all the, of that. The, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm simply saying that government policy is to is leading That's to seriously going to suggest house our prices policy is to drive price again, house prices again mary you keep interrupting me i didn't interrupt you yeah please. okay let's read louise okay. respond here so government policy what it does is it fuels demand it does nothing there's very little for supply so we know they're missing their targets and we know they're missing their targets by miles okay well, they're, so no when, they're missing specific social and affordable We've exceeded the targets every year. These are these are what the, the government control directly. Okay, so the, the, they control directly social and affordable homes for working people to rent and buy, and they don't build them. Okay, that's why they miss their targets. They set targets that are woefully inadequate, and they miss those targets. So by every measure, house prices are going up. On average. Okay, there's just and a very, I suppose, a really when we important talk about point sorry, here. No, sorry, sorry, Claire, no, really, I, want, I, want okay. to, I just want to make a point. When Mary talks about affordability, and she talks about the importance of affordability, okay, and accepts that currently house prices are not 
affordable for young people or for those over 55 okay. that we were talking about. They're not currently affordable. Just very that quickly, is... Louise, because I don't have a lot of time here. The Housing Commission had a report last year. They said we need between 42 and 62,000 houses Absolutely. a year up until 2050. Yes. But you're telling me 40,000. So and we need to build on building. that. No, no. We and actually, to, they'd be buying the, need... the increased housing that Sinn Féin okay, said no, they'd supply this, this year, they would buy. We need to build on that. I mean, bearing in mind, by the way, the next election, will be, I believe, will be fought on the issue of housing because it is absolutely key. There are far too many families with grown adult children in their childhood bedrooms waiting to start their lives. Those people want to see their kids be able to afford a house, as do I, to as the point do many Mary made, others. There's been 40,000 plus first home buyers in the country. OK, so many of those people didn't need the, help, the, the, uh, the money that was okay. given to them. They had a deposit in place, they had a mortgage. Right. We, we, all, we, agreed, here, we, we both agree that affordability is the issue and supply bodies. is the issue. The only thing is okay. we have a plan, they don't Your have plan, a plan. Right, we have a plan that's actually delivering, made. that's building Your plan more is homes that have been built in a decade. There for now. Ladies, sorry to cut across you, but we're going to have to leave that there for now. Fear it is something we are going to have to return to again on this programme. But let's turn to another story that is dominating the headlines this evening. 14 people have been found hidden in a trailer at Rosslair Europort in Wexford. The group of nine males, three females and two children were discovered yesterday morning at 3am. Well, let's go to uh, Wexford now for more on this. We're joined by Park Byrne from the Western People. So first of all, tell me how these uh, individuals were discovered. Uh, well, I suppose the alarm was initially raised at around 1am uh, on Monday morning. Um, a call actually came from within uh, this refrigerated container that was on board the ferry bound for Rosslare Europort. Um, so essentially, the UK authorities were informed that there was 14 people within this this container. It must have been a horrific situation. They were starting to find it hard to breathe, and they were they were short on breath. Uh, so that sparked a, a major response. Naturally enough, the UK authorities got in touch with the Irish authorities, who got in touch with the crew on board the ship, and a search began to find the container that they were they were trapped inside. Uh, the people were eventually freed, and then when they arrived into Rosslare Europort at around 3 a.m. Uh, there was a major uh, multi-agency response within Rosslare Europort. Uh, Gardaí took over the terminal building down there. Uh, several units from the National Ambulance Service were on hand to carry out assessments of the people. Uh, thankfully, it seems that everybody was in good health uh, and, and tragedy had been averted. Uh, so at that point, uh, the authorities, Gardaí, took the, took the people for, who are mostly uh, Kurdish nationals, I believe, maybe one or two Vietnamese, they were taken to a processing centre in City West where uh, they will undergo some questioning and their documents, etc. will be will be checked. All right. OK, look, we'll leave that story there for now. But Project Warren, thank you for bringing me the latest and we'll bring you any other uh, breaking news on our bulletins there in the, in the morning. Now, we're going to leave that discussion there for now after the break. The US Secretary of State calls the charge of genocide made against Israel in Gaza meritless and a distraction. Welcome back. Well, the US Secretary of State has labelled the charge of genocide made against Israel a distraction. Speaking at a press conference in Tel Aviv, Anthony Blinken said the charge made by South Africa to the International Criminal Court lacked merit, but said the daily toll on civilians in Gaza was far too high. We believe the submission against Israel to the International Court of Justice 
distracts the world from all of these important efforts. And moreover, the charge of genocide is meritless. We know that facing an enemy that embeds itself among civilians, who hides in and fires from schools, from hospitals, makes this incredibly challenging. But the daily toll on civilians in Gaza, particularly on children, is far too high. Well, for more on this, we're joined via Skype by military analyst Sean Bell. Sean, you are very welcome to the programme. So we heard what Anthony Blinken thinks of this case taken by South Africa. What do you think? What do you think the even provisional findings of the ICC are going to be? Good evening, Kira. Well, one of the reasons that this case has been brought is, if you look at the hard statistics after that fateful day on the 7th of October, when Hamas killed 1,200 Israelis and took 240 uh, hostages. In the three months since, the uh, Israelis have managed to uh, kill 23,000 Palestinians. There's 54,000 that have been injured, allegedly two-thirds of those uh, children. But that represents about 1% of the 2.3 million people in Gaza. Um, now, one of the things, you know, ruthlessly, you have to look at what the charge of genocide means. It means destroying a whole nation, a whole group of people. Now, whilst Hamas is hiding the civilian population, what um, Blinken and Prime Minister Netanyahu would claim is that uh, Israel has given warnings to the population to move south, away from the, the mass of the bombing in the north. It's also issued maps out, which are, give regions and timings for when attacks will happen. And they've also declared it as a war of national survival, which tends to blur the lines a little bit more legally between combatants and civilians. Uh, I think the international community is growing concerned, as is the US, with the number of civilian casualties. But it was pretty clear Blinken was dismissing um, this uh, cry of genocide and doesn't see much uh, merit through the International Criminal Court. Um, he also said that he had spoken with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and that the Prime Minister made it clear to him that he doesn't want to push Palestinian people out of Gaza. He's not looking for resettlement. But he's also made it clear that he doesn't really believe in the two-state solution at present. So what, what is his plan? Did he get any clarity on that? Well, Kira, I think that that's exactly the number. The point here is that the US was provided almost unreserved backing for Israel. Um, but the political end state, the understanding from the US, the UK, and probably much the international community was that a two-state solution was the only viable route. Well, near the end of last year, Prime Minister Netanyahu and his team made clear that that was not what they were seeking. And the danger is, if you look objectively, the way they're working through Gaza, it's very difficult to see that anything other than potentially uh, pursuing a one-state solution. And that will make life very, very difficult for the US uh, to support them. Also, if you look at um, they're placating the US by saying we're going to reduce casualties, we're at the beginning of the end, was one of the Israeli quotes uh, later on in the last week. But the harsh reality is, having finished their operation in the north, they're gradually moving, the Israelis are moving their operations to the centre and then the south, squeezing the population further south, but they're not allowing the population to return to the north. That is increasing the population density in the south, which is exactly where the military operations are intended to focus, trying to um, root out Yahya Sinwar down in Khan Yunis. So it's very difficult to see how this tactic is going to actually reduce civilian casualties. But obviously, it remains to be seen. And you mentioned there the pressure that the that United States are obviously feeling at the moment. Um, this is his fourth visit to the region. What did he actually achieve this time? 
Well, part of the reason he seemed to be visiting was to try to stop a regional escalation. Um, as you say, it's very unusual for a uh, US Secretary of State to do four visits in three months. Um, and a whistle-tops tour almost looked like a firefighting tour, um, tour around the, the Middle East, desperately trying to placate concerns. But the harsh reality is it is escalating. Um, you know, there are attacks increasing on US forces in Iraq and Syria, uh, to the north of Israel, the border with Hezbollah, um, with um, Lebanon, Hezbollah is fighting more um, in a more animated manner. And of course, in the Red Sea, the Houthi rebels are causing great deal of difficulty with international shipping. And there's increasingly this sort of sense that the US is becoming a bit isolated in their support for Israel because there's just increasing concern about what is the political end state that Israel is trying to seek. And of course, eight decades of um, friction in the region, what has been absolutely clear is military action does not solve the root causes. And yet, at some stage, the two sides have to find a way of mutually coexisting, and that will probably involve the international community. But military action is, is simply making matters, matters worse. It's not solving the problem. Right, uh, Sean Bell, thank you for bringing us that uh, insight. And Mary, why hasn't Ireland decided to join South Africa and some other nations in bringing this action to the ICC? I suppose when you listen to military experts talk like that, it's it's really dehumanising, isn't it? And um, Ireland has put all of its uh, pressure and focus and energy into trying to achieve a ceasefire, an immediate and permanent ceasefire, access for humanitarian aid, release of uh, the hostages. And then you, you, you get to a further, I suppose, independent investigations and... And on and, and you know underlining all of that is a permanent commitment to a two-state solution. But it seems like we're so far from that. Um, that but surely an action like this would heap further pressure, perhaps not in Israel because there's absolutely no evidence that they would take I, any heat of it, but it would heap further pressure on the US. So why would Ireland not join that action? Well, I. I, I... I, I think the, the government's uh, position on it is to put all of its energies into a permanent and immediate ceasefire release of the hostages and, you know, unrestricted humanitarian aid. Do you but believe it, this is genocide? I, I, it is atrocious what is happening there. It is absolutely... He defined genocide in a certain way. I, I, I'm not a, a lawyer or a military expert, and I'm certainly not an expert in the international courts of uh, justice, but it's criminal, absolutely. Of course it is. It's inhumane and it's barbaric, and it has to stop. It just has to stop. Yeah. We and need everybody's... a ceasefire, and we need release of the hostages, and, and we need unrestricted humanitarian aid. This is such a failure of humanity. OK, and I accept all of that. Let's just go back to um, this particular action that South Africa is bringing and that the ICC are going to begin hearings of, I think, in the next week or so. Anthony Blinken there saying, look, it's meritless. It's not going to succeed. It's a distraction. And yet you're calling, Sinn Féin's calling, for the Irish government to join the action. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're only calling on the government, by the way, to do uh, what they did in relation to, to Russia. We believe there is equally as compelling uh, a case. Um, and in fact, the figures are um, multiples uh, in terms of casualties. I mean, we're talking about 10,000 dead children, 23,000 
thousand dead civilians. So, you and know, not to be, I'm is, not being cold or callous, but just to be clear, you feel that that comes within the strict definition of what genocide is. Well, that's for the ICC to determine, but we do believe, yes, that, that this is what this is the forced displacement of two million people, the cutting off of water, the denial of food. This is an absolutely horrific and disgusting aggressive yeah. action against. And what do you civilians. think it would achieve? Well, we're hopeful um, that the that the government will change, uh, will change, and will do simply what they did previously uh, in the case of Russia. That's all that that we're asking. There should be no hierarchy. Um, you know, uh, genocide is genocide, and it doesn't matter who uh, who it is that's uh, that that is the victim or who it is that is the aggressor. But I think what we're what we need to see is the government pulling every lever, all and right. we don't see that yet. We're going to have to leave that uh, there for now. Um, Mary Fitzpatrick and really thank you both for coming in to me. Our program is available as a podcast on all major platforms. And you can also now find us on Instagram and TikTok tonight, VMTV. From all the late team here, good night. Take care. See you tomorrow.